Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat.
Peace, peace, family. Ahalate Washington East. This is Brother Fahim with an L. Uh, filling in for Dr. Eileen L. Bay for the night. Uh, he had a lot of work to do, so I'm filling in for him. And our topic is going to be about uh, dealing with a little bit of nationality, but dealing with history and dealing with, uh, as more as dealing with Freemasonry as well. I'm going to put on put a little bit of that in there on the topic tonight. Uh, so I uh, hope everything is well with you and yours tonight, with you and your families. And uh, I'm going to start off um, dealing with a little bit of nationality first before I get into the other topics. Um Get into the meaning of, uh, hold on here for a minute. It says, it says well, it says, well, hold on. It says here, uh, evolve or become fertilizer for those who are. So I can break that down to you right now and what is Taj Tariq Bay is saying in this book. Uh he said either become evolve, meaning uh evolve meaning become uh to obtain your nationality and birthright principles. This is what he's mainly talking about. Or become fertilizer for those who are. Fertilizer meaning uh well, for the third dimension, who want to, who, for those who want to hold on to this third dimensional uh, world, then you will become fertilizer. Instead of then evolving yourself into the fourth and fifth dimension, and this is what he's talking about, okay? Okay. The contents of this booklet are derived from the lecture given by Taj Tariq Bay on November 15, 2003, in the Moore's calendar year 1423, at Moorways located at Market Street at Wilmington, Delaware, North American, Northwest of Mexico. Taj was asked to speak on the subjects of unity and economy, economics. Sorry. However, this perspective surprisingly was one not expected by the masses as he first saw it most important to bring to the table the true meaning of unity and to dispel the commonly accepted myth that we as people don't come together. The concept of unity was explained. A clearer understanding of economics was gained. Once the issue involving economics was understood, one could more easily grasp why the gross national product of the nation never matches up to reality and to true labor output. Okay? Because those of you that already know that the gross national uh, product never matches uh, the labor output. It never does and it never will. As long as we continue to to, to deal with this false uh, belief that Money, the money we have is real. Those who know that money is fiat, Federal Reserve notes, 
paper money. You know, to say, for instance, like, you know, uh, someone asks you for, uh, so let's say you have a, a, a major bank, somebody asks you maybe for $10,000, and you, you loan him the $10,000, but the interest, with interest, okay, with interest, but the interest is never put on record. So how 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 is this person will ever pay you back the money? He can't. And this is part of what he's talking about. Okay, let me go on. This information lecture may prove to be very useful for all those who are in an honest search for social, political, and economic remedies for, for our Aboriginal natural people and for all natural indigenous people in general. Much of the information is based on true law, true historical facts, truth in religion, what it is and what it is not, relative to spirituality and relative to what is happening now. Unity and economics are not limited to what you may have assumed or to what you have been told. Once you have read this booklet, pass it along to those you love. Okay, this booklet's name, before I go on further, I'm going to tell you the name of this booklet because you might want to set off for it. From RV Bay Publishings. Uh, the name of the book is, because, is called Evolve or Become Fertilizer for Those Who Are. It's by Taj Tariq Bay. Okay? Pretty interesting book. Okay. <clears throat> Says in an opening statement I want to address unity and constitutional principles, but I also want prior to a break, a few questions because I want to see where your minds are so I can get, get, so I can go there. It's a, it's a better to feel where the people are and work off of that than to be prepare something and bring you something just because it might be interesting because it doesn't really work. We need to work with the spirit and what needs to be fixed. That is so true. Says they're on unity. First of all, unity is something people always throw about with us. They always say we need unity. Unity, unity. It must be understood. When the word unity is presented to you, what it actually means is nationhood. Usually people say we need to get together and do something. We need to get together and do some economic things. We need to get together spiritually, economically, and politically. Well, guess what? That's not true. We have always been together. We are, we party together. We go to picnics together, barbecues, jams, whatever. We have always been together. What we have not had are national or nationality principles that blind us as one in a political forum, no matter where we are or whatever part of the land we are in. With the common law, that's the principles of unity. It is it's called anciently, not modernly, anciently constitution. That's why the constitution. Say something right here. That's why the constitution does not work for a lot of us because we have not been been in our proper status. We have not. We don't have a nationality. We don't have a nationhood. We don't have our birthright principles. You keep calling ourselves black, negro, uh, colored, people of color, African-American, or whatever. 
So therefore, constitutional principles do not apply to those who hangs on to those at false paradigm. Okay, let me go on. It says again, okay, you must understand that constitutions did not begin with the misconcept of a lot of us have that Europeans brought in constitutional principles. No, they didn't. I'm going to explain to you why. As I explained to you in other lectures on the blog talk show, uh, they couldn't have brought it uh, from England because England does not have a written constitution. Most people don't know that, but it is so true. You don't believe me? Uh, I forgot the author's name. Uh, get the book, book, Tragedy and Hope. Tragedy and Hope. And when I go on break, I'm going to look for that book so I'll give you that author's name. Okay? Look for that book. It tells you right there that uh, England does not have a written constitution. They talk of having one, but they do not have a written constitution. The Constitution was already here. We already had a structured government, a structured Constitution. The Constitution we wrote that was here, we shared with the Europeans. The Iroquois Confederation. We shared that, uh, which is a contract. Telling the, uh, the so-called government what they can and what they cannot do. That it was a contract. We already had structured government here already. And this is what the so-called government is based on. It's based on our structured government we had here in the North American uh, Mexican or Northwest of Mexican. All right. Constitutional principles are ancient, as ancient as government and civilization is. Organized civilized government is based on constitutional principles and is called positive law. Positive law is called jurisprudence. Jurisprudence is founded in nature's God and nature's law. Hear it? Nature's God and nature's law. A lot of people say it's ungodly to... Uh, practice paganism or pagan, or pagan. Pagan has nothing to do with anything being evil. I wanted to put that out there also. It has nothing to do with being demonic or satanic. All it has something to do with it is not being a Christian. It is to give honor and homage to nature. What does it just say here? Nature is God and nature is law. Nature is God. Allah or Buddha, Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever you prefer. All right. That which is founded by the Creator and nature. All universal law, or Allah, I'll say it again, all universal law, or Allah. And for those who may be confused, Allah is a feminine word and a feminine name. 
So don't get confused with this masculine or feminine game that, that they have been playing with you in religion because it deals with divine law, universal. One of the things I recognize as one of, of the great weaknesses amongst us and why, why most vampires have been able to suck off of the energies of the Asiatic people on, the, on this planet, not just particularly here, but on this planet and that has been smote by religion and our concepts of what religion is and what religion is not. Religion originally as founded by ancient Moabites were teaching systems of your relationships to nature, your building blocks, the way you are made. I'm going to say this again. Religion originally is founded by ancient Moabites. We're teaching systems of your relationship to nature. To nature. Okay? Which they accuse pagans of doing. I have no problem with uh, uh, with practicing or giving homage or honors to paganism. I have no problem with that. Because all that is part of our, what you could say, our culture. It just has been twisted and, you know, made and confused among our people to make it to be made or socially, they've been socially engineered to think that it's something else and what it is not, okay? How many, how many, how nature operates with you, your connection with everything that is in nature, this is called divine law. You hear what I said? This is called divine law. It is not spooky, as I just got through telling you. It is not conjecture. It is not based in beliefs. There are fundamental, functional facts. However, wicked khalis, priests, and thieves have used this religious system to create secret principles for themselves, to rule the masses. They start injecting agendas that have nothing to do with divine law, creating and making up versions of God's and then selling them to people, then dividing the people, then sucking off of them, and then use the devil as a scapegoat. Although your lower self is the gate, it is the devil, his or herself. That's the devil, the lower self. It tells you that in the one-on-ones. It tells you that, if you ever read them. And therefore, roughing the world. And that is the real deal. The real deal. So when you most, so when most people look at the Europeans and look at different armies and are saying, oh, wow, look at all they are doing to the world. Believe me, it is religionists that did it. One of the biggest problems with us is trying to get out of this thing is with these muddled concepts of and about our salvation. We run to the very people who actually are the vampires. One of the hardest things to do in communicating with the people is to tell the, this truth and to have them accept it because they want to beat you up because most of us are biased by whatever dominations or secularism of the religions we belong to. And it is very true. But you're both uh, fighting against each other against the same people that are sucking off of you. You're fighting for those, those people. You're fighting for the vampires. 
and started fighting for yourselves and fighting against the vampires. This is what's been happening. This is what's been going on. Let me move along here. I am Muslim, but I will never deny that the wicked caliphs created divisions in Islam. The Quran says that there shall be no secularism in Islam. You have heard all kinds of sects, just like in the other religions, dominations. So let's not get self-righteous. The other did, the other deal is we must remember that both Muslims and Christians maintain slaves or forced servitude. That is so true. So again, don't get self-righteous. The weakness that we have is that we don't know the real history of our social and political connection. Here, North America, the Crusaders have buried a lot of their of that history. Therefore, much has much much of that is connected to us, and or that it is our actual birthright. We reject because we think it belongs to him. Speaking uh, to the uh, about the Europeans. The old deal of throwing the baby out of the bathwater is a part of the vampirism because in our blind rejection, actually we are throwing out the uh, the political power to our birthrights by denying something because we assume that someone else is the founder of the established government, which includes religion. Most of you don't even know that we are the founders of this government. This has been overthrown, but it's now a corporation, of course. We are the founder of this republic. Problem is, uh, most, uh, but I say maybe 70 or 80%, no, I say about 70% of so called black people are holding us back. This is the problem. Number one problem. Just imagine if about, I say at least about 70% of the Asiatic people in the United States of America got nationalized overnight. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? Well, the game would be over. If 70% of us were nationalized today, uh, a lot of these people we wouldn't even know. We probably wouldn't even heard of uh, Dr. Asu Aline Nutabaki Bay. Sister Ma'at Kadira El Bay. We never, probably would never heard of these Moors. Probably heard of the Taj Tariq Bay. Probably would never heard of me. There wouldn't be no need to. Okay. I want to hit on certain things because it is important for you to understand and not to assume otherwise. I I may say certain things that technically and organizationally people don't say or don't want to say because it destroys institutions. But I am not gaming like that. I am for freeing my babies. I, I don't want my babies to suffer as I have suffered. I will sacrifice me to make sure they have a chance. I am not selling out. Okay, here you have secret institutions. Masonry, Skull and Bones, Jesuits, Knights of Columbus, Ku Klux Klan, the whole crew, while they're wearing your fez. 
and your attire. Because the Ku Klux Klan hood and, and, and robe is ours. It belongs to us. Terrorizing us with our own stuff. Because they are all using, here is because they are all using the ancient Moorish principles of government to rule you with, rule us with our own structured government, our own their own, our own structured government that we shared with them when we gave when we uh, shared with them the Constitution, our own structured government that we had here. I don't know for how many hundreds of thousands of years, maybe in the millions or billions, who knows. But use it against us. Ain't that something? This is what's happening, y'all. When you start rejecting them out of hand without examination, thinking that those clubs belong to them and have nothing to do with you, you have made your first mistake. Because it is your real history, buried. It's not black history. It's your history is in those lodges. Your history is in governments around this planet. Now I'm going to stop right here. When he says that his, this is the, your history in your governments, I mean in your lodges, I'm here to tell you as, as, me, as being a member of, a, of, of, of the Prince Hall Masonic family, I'm going to tell you I am a 32-degree uh, Mason and also a Knights Templar in the York Rite. And I'm, I'm saying it again, I'm a 32-degree Mason in the Prince Hall Scottish Rite. And I can tell you right now, there are no real secrets in those lodges and temples. When I, I, when I, when I joined the Prince Hall Masonic Fraternity, I joined them so I can teach them of the things that I felt they should know. Because I've been studying the ancient uh, science, the uh, uh, esoteric science, occult sciences, almost, almost, ooh, you could say almost 20 years before I joined the Prince of Masonic Temple. And I saw, when I joined, I saw a, lot of, a whole lot of the things that they lacked or the things that they should know or should have known. They don't have them. There are no real secrets in masonry. I'm here to tell you that. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about for something I read in the book. I'm not telling you something that I saw on YouTube. I'm not tell, I'm telling you anything that someone told me. I'm telling you from personal experience. Freemasonry, which is Moorish science, big time. I'm going to get to that later, okay? That is, let's see, your history is in governments around this planet. That is a diversion. See, we got, we get into this, hold up. We get into this thing, oh, that's secret societies, and that is, oh, no, oh that's secret societies, and, and, and that is his thing. 
modern system of structured government based on the ancient mystery schools of the ancient Moabites to bring them into government. We taught them the government principles, civilization principles. But in order to rule you, you must not allow you to know that they must not allow you to know that that is what it is. That is the nature of the secrecy. Because the secrecy is us. That's the secret. They even hide it in yoga or in your advanced yoga lessons. If any one of you want to begin and to free yourselves from a suppressed mind of what you think religion is and what you think it is not, and what you think spiritually you think spirituality is and what it is not, breathe, meditate, take ablution, pray. Ablution meaning to clean yourself. Ablution. I mean by ablution. It means the washing of the hands, the face, arms, you know, before you, you know, that, that that's, a, that's a ritual that they also do in Islam, where it all came from the same source. Your yoga, Islam, Christianity, uh, uh, Judaism, uh, you name it, it all came from the same source. Okay. Those are keys. I'm throwing that out there because you need to know it. Okay, you can take care. United States. The other thing is you must understand the Constitution that evolved for the United States, Central North America. First, you must know this is not the only United States. So when, so when you say United States, don't let anyone play you. We're not talking the difference or the different jurisdictions of the United States within this particular territory. We are talking about the fact that there is more than one United States political forum or forum in North, Central, and South America and in Jordan Islands. Here you have the United States of Mexico, the United States of Brazil, the United States of El Salvador. These are all United States of America. The United States of America in Central North America. You assume is a national name. You must understand that it is not. It is a political confederation phrase absent of the national name. This is the United States of Morocco, which is now commonly known as America. From, from, from the word Amaru, from the word Amuraka, Almorica, Al Moroccan, Al Morocco, Morocco, now America. All it is is a prosthesis. A prosthesis mean uh, a sound shift in words. A sound shift. If I say the word, if uh, a Mexican come to me, he says. Uh, he is. Uh, he, he tell me I'm an artist. He has to say like, "Eres artista." He said, "You're an artist," and I tell him, "You're an artist too." Artista and artist are both one and the same. They mean the same thing. It is a sound shift in words. All right, let me move along here.
we the people that is called in the pre- preamble for the Constitution of the United States is Society e al Republica al Americanos. That is, we the people who set this Constitution for the United States of America, which is, which is the unity or unit being between few select European sons and the Moors, who government, whose government to fall. It was a, com- a compromise. It wasn't like the Moors got a good de- idea and thought that they would be moral and good and teach the European government. It makes this thing so-called nice and peaceful for our posterity. No, the Moorish government was falling apart because of divisions, economic subversion, political subversion, etc., etc., etc. So it said, teach them government. The fate was charted, and we, Moors, recognized that if we did, didn't do something, we would lose it all. So, Chief Justice Ben Bay, when you heard about in who you heard about in history in history books as Benjamin Banneker was assigned to the job to teach them masonry or orders of government. This is the role, the real role of Ben Bay, or sometimes known as uh Benjamin Banaka Emmanuel Muali Bay. Okay. This is the role, the role of Ben Bay, and what they call modern U.S. history, and why and why you see Washington D.C. laid out masonically, but you can only see that from the air. That's on on the side. That's something for you to research on your own. You must understand that relationship. The things you see from the uh, air, or what he's talking about from the side. All that is more science. They can say it's masonically structured all they want to, but that's more science. That's our science. How we shape this country. And you've got a lot of people, most more still don't, uh, don't know that the first president was a more. Not a black president, but a more. Or you can say a so-called black president, or Asiatic, uh, Asiatic president, or or you can say an Aboriginal Indigenous American. They all one and the same. All an autonomous American, still the same thing. So for those who still confused or don't know what autonomous means, it means one who springs forth from the soil of the earth. That is a more. Aborigine, indigenous, autochthonous, well, I put it this way, Aborigine plus indigenous plus autochthonous equals more. Here it is, here we have here. From the book, What They Never Told You in History Class, Volume 1, by Indus Kemet Kush. Say it again. What they never told you in history class, volume one, by Indus Kemet Kush, spelled I N D U S K H A I K H A M I T Kush, 
K-U-S-H. Okay? That's the author of the book. In case you, if you don't have one already and you're interested in, in purchasing one, this is the book. Okay? All right, let me go on here. The first president of the United States was a Moor. It says here was a black man, a Moor. Okay? That's what he had, That's the way he had it printed here. Okay? They boldly proclaimed that George Washington was not the first president of the United States. He was ninth. The real first president of the United States was John Hanson, who understood the importance of the war and was concerned. He served as president from 1781 to 1782 A.D., A.D. meaning in the year of domination. Some people believe it believes in the watered-down Moorish Latin in the year of our Lord. But no, it means in the year of domination. That's more that's more as Latin. Okay? In fact, he sent three eight hundred pounds of sterling silver by his brother Samuel Hansen to George Washington to provide the troops with shoes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repeat this again. I'm gonna repeat this again. He served as president from 1781 to 1782 A.D. In fact, he sent 800 pounds of sterling silver by his brother Samuel Hanson to George Washington to provide the troops with shoes. He had a big hand in supplying the Continental Army at that time. This is the, uh, the reason, this is the real reason the real reason why we celebrate Thanksgiving. Not the corrupt reason, but they have with the turkey and the so-called Indian, the pilgrim. No. They said, uh, I read one part, and they said that uh, the Pope had declared uh, Thanksgiving as the uh, final fall of the Moors in 1492. He declared it a holiday, but you, I, I tell you right now, you go to Europe, any any parts of Europe, Russia, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Lithuania, uh, uh, France, Belgium, or Holland, they will tell you straight up, we don't do Thanksgiving. They don't do Thanksgiving in Europe. Do you know that? So therefore, it cannot be counted as a European holiday. And actually, the first uh, traditional meal of the Thanksgiving uh, feast was a deer, not a turkey. They celebrated Thanksgiving today. It is corruption, which is a corruption version of the Thanksgiving holiday. Thanksgiving, uh, even Christmas, all that is corrupted. to make so-called money. The profit of the poor, deaf, and dumb. Okay, let me move along here. They tried to, so hard to cover the true Moorish identity. Say it again. They tried so hard to cover the true Moorish identity of John Henson because of his great accomplishment as a leader since Euro-Americans have their roots in England. 
It must be very hard to accept the fact that the true father and founder of the United States of America was a Moor. I'm going to read this again. They tried so hard to cover the true Moorish identity of John Henson because of his great accomplishments as a leader. Leader, Since Euro-Americans, meaning European-Americans, have their roots in England, it must be very hard to accept the fact that the true father and founder of the United States of America was a Moor. And those of you that... that uh, trip, uh, trip, tripping off his name being John Henson is not an English name. A lot of names you think that are English names are not English names. You take the, the name of the Washita of the tribe I'm a part of. The United Washita de de la Mandia Moor Empire. Washita. Today known as Washington. One of the names of the empress, peace be upon her, name was Tunica. Now on today known as Turner. Thing with America. Al Morocco. Amurica. Amuru. Amurukan. Morocco. But today known as America. All right. John Hansen was described as a man of action with great. Let's see here. Hold on. With great organizational abilities, he organized two riflemen groups that were the first to join George Washington's army during the Revolutionary War. He also appointed George Washington as general, believe it or not. John Hanson was the assemblyman for Charles County in Maryland and was chairman of the Feder- of the of the Frederick County on two committees committee committees the committees of observation and the committee of correspondence. It says here, upon his death he was eulogized by Berlin by the Maryland Gazette on November twenty first, seventeen eighty three AD and I quote, Thus was ended the career of America's greatest statesman, while hitherto practically unknown to our people, and this too, and this, this, this too true as to nearly all generations that have lived since his day. This great handiwork, the nation which he helped to establish, remains as a fitting tribute to his memory. It is doubtfully all there has ever lived on this side of the Atlantic, a nobler character or shrewder statesman. One would search in vain to find a man powerful personage or more powerful in personage or a more aggressive aggressive leader in the annals of American history. Hmm. Okay. See, that says here that Abraham Lincoln, the supposed 16th president, said John Hanson should be honored equally with George Washington. The article maintained that they tried to hide the true identity of John Hanson 
they'll show you a mulatto-looking person who is Europeanized or Euro-American. While the real John Henson, the original picture is buried. But if you go on the Internet, which they don't expect so-called black people to have, if you, if you, go, if you go to the Internet, the Library of Congress website, lcweb2.loc.government, which you can find under American Memories, under, let me see here, I've got this name here, under Dugova-type pictures, which is an early photograph process of an image made of light-sensitive silver metal plate. You will see that he is unmistakably a Moor. Hmm. Mm. The Great Seal of the United States was designed by John Henson. Make the note the seal called the Great Seal. The Great Seal of Moors, as we know, is the Great Seal of the Pyramid. With the all seeing eye attached to the pyramid, but now they have it detached from the pyramid. And we all know uh, why that is, right? That shows that we have lost our minds, so somebody else has it. That's why on my shirts I wear the pyramid with the attached all seeing eye attached to the pyramid, meaning what we have grabbed, we have got back, got back our minds now. Now the consciousness is back. It says here, make note, call the Great Seal. Used first by John Henson is the same used by Bill Clinton. The seal, the, this seal, this seal, that the one with the eagle or, the, or, or whatever, you, or the phoenix bird, pen side. Although it's still our, our, our symbol. But this, is you, this is one you always see all the time. With the 13 stars at the center of the top of the head, E Palubus Unum, and one many, one of many. Which is the, the talents, both talents of the, of the, of the uh, so called eagle. One has arrows, means war. Another, uh, one of them has leaves, which means peace. The nine feathers that he has, meaning the nine Supreme Court judges. Okay, let me go on here. The seal alone with the signature of the president is necessary to conclude the law by Supreme Court decision. He, George Washington, also recognized that without the official seal, he was not technically president and called an emergency session of Congress. And only after George Washington accepted all conditions, laws, rules, and authority under the first president, John Hanson, was he given the seal. This was under resolution drawn up by Thomas Jefferson. But how many people know that John Hanson started the first Thanksgiving to be uh, celebrated every fourth Thursday of the month in November? That was to commemorate the Moors' participation in the revolution. 
But right now, today, it's bastardized now. It's twisted. It's, it's, it's what you would say a perverted uh, version of what Thanksgiving was that everybody celebrates today. The turkey represents the Turks, Turkey. Of the ancient, the ancient Turks were Moors. At that time, Turkey was part of the Ottoman Empire that fell in the early early 20th century, and that's when, at that time, that's when the Turkey came into play. So now, today, everybody eats the Moor. Okay, we'll go on a break here, and I'll be back, all right?
All right, all right, I'm back. All right. Let me see here. <clears throat> it says here, let's get on this let's get on this uh, subject here. What is in a name? There is more in a name that meets the eye. There is more in a name that than that which vibrates or sound in the ear. Name grammatically classified as a substantive verb derived from the old Sanskrit, meaning Sanskrit, from the old Sanskrit word nomen and the old Moorish Latin word nomen. 
The word substantive, grammatically classified as an adjective, derived from the old Moorish Latin words substantivius, substantivium, and means of person, of nations, etc., that stands of or by itself. It, it, it is self-sufficient, is free from the influence, the guidance, or the, or the control of others with the condition of being politically free and having an independent self-existence or status, being a belonging to the substance of a thing and essential having an actual or real existence, not imaginary or illusory. The substantive nomen concept, concepts are essentially to, to civilization and are universal in practice or in principle. Therefore, the trust of the honor of the integrity of and the inherent birthrights of a nation of people is embodied in the recognized essential names of that particular natural person or people. To the science which treats of positive law, being jurisprudence, the word sustentatum means relating to and consisting of the rules and the principles of right law administered by a court as opposed to the forms of procedure. Thus, substantive law, substantive, I mean, substantivism is the opposite of color of law, an opposite of prima facie, imaginary or illusion. Substantivism is real. Anybody get that? Okay. Move along here. The word name, nomen, and attribute are synonyms. Synonyms are words which have the same sense as another in the same accepted language and having the same general sense, but each possessing of themselves meanings not shared by the others. A synonym may also be a word which has an equivalent in another language, and so a synonym is neither as either of two or more things of, of like or identical nature, but called by different names. Names, attributes, or nomen are vital to civilization, and that names acknowledge the existence of and the reality of a person, a people, or a thing. Organic beings, organic beings that which takes up space and can be perceived by the senses and locations pertaining to geography comes upon the stage of human discernment. Thus a name, a nomen, an attribute. Okay, we all know, uh, those of you are nationalized, all, all will already know what the importance of a free national name is about. You know, some people, most of us don't know who, uh, don't know what our names were when we were enslaved. You know, what would be a cane property of the European slave uh, families, uh, companies. So we don't know, but we do, when we do uh, uh, make or create names for ourselves, it's our names that we gave to ourselves. It belongs to us. We gave ourselves these names. We decided we want to be a Bay or El, Al, Ali. Ali is mostly something that is honorary given to you so uh but al day you know uh all of these noble names you know 
And I say it before and I say it again, uh, some people say that when you become Jerome, uh, Reginald Johnson L., uh, Reginald Johnson Bay, Reginald Johnson uh, Day, Reginald Johnson Al, uh, Reginald Johnson Ali, those are not free national names. Those are not free national names. Those are not free national names. Okay, have some, I might have people that disagree with me, but I'm, ha- I'm here to tell you now, those are not free national names. You know, uh, you want to have a name uh, that, uh, uh, like Mustafa uh, uh, Muhammad Elbey, you know, that is a free national name. Or you want to name uh, have your name to sound more like an Aboriginal Indigenous name of the Americas. You might want to have your name, uh, mm, say, like uh, Tatanga Tatanga uh, El or Bay or Al Ali or Day. You know, I mean that that is a free national name. Okay. All right. Let me move along here. Uh. Grammatically and in accord with categorized parts of speech, a word which is the subject of discourse, such as a person, a place, a thing, a quality, or an idea, is grammatically categorized as a noun. Names as they apply to the natural person relates to that particular combination of vocal sounds and vibrations which are expressive of the individual designation of the person, a people, a place, an animal, or of a thing, etc. A name often denotes possession of character, of inheritance, of heritage, of pedigree, of qualities, and of things, etc. And older, the more, and older, the more procession-oriented uh, grammatication, names, nomen, attributes are listed under nomen substantivum. A natural person's name, if properly given, with honor, culture, and integrity, and absent of forced servitude, statewardship, slavery, color, or civil literary mortuus, it implies or harmonizes with his or her, or her particular cosmologic constitution or nature makeup. Thusly, the cultured parents would not conceptually, conceptually give their newborn offspring a name which contradicts the nature and or character of the being. This conscious-oriented process of choosing a name for the offspring was common. No Norman culture amongst the Asiatic nation before Nicene Constantinople uh, Constantinopolitan or Inquisitionist conquest of the Western Hemisphere. The ancient Norman culture is processed world generally by a reflective of the being's astrological sun sign, moon sign, and ascendant with considerations of the expressed nature and characteristics which through through horoscope marks the personality. The name chosen at natural birth would also be reflective of his or her pedigree, family bloodline, and be traceable through the extended family and through natal continuing relationships. 
says here, the importance of names. The importance of names. A commonly read and well-known literary example of the importance of names, Norman, and attributes is expressed in Prophet Noble Drawali's historical and documented speech as addressed to the Moors in Northwest Amexum, North America, in 1913 A.D. Plus. The following are excerpts, a divine warning by the Prophet for the nations. Okay, I'm going to read this to you. The citizens of all free national governments, according to their national constitution, are all of one family, bearing one free national name. And it is a sin for any group of people to violate the national constitutional laws of a free national government and cling to the names and the principles that do to slavery. And every nation must bear a national descent, name of their forefathers, because honoring thy fathers and thy mothers, your days will be longer upon this earth. Prophet Noble Juwali. Okay, says here, the Bible is another commonly read and well-known literary example of the importance of names, nomen, and attributes. While scholars of the world are well aware of the untoward conquest intentions fostered by the Roman Emperor Constantine, many truths have survived. In spite of mass crusade book burnings index, liborium prohibitation or prohibitorium index, all this and not an iron handed inquisition oppression, there are all still many ancient civilization principles clearly expressed through the altered and revised scripts and pages. The followings are excerpts from the Biblios, Heliotech, or as we known commonly today as the Holy Bible. Here it is. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. This is Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1. Verse 1. Okay, I'm going to read this again. Out of the Bible, okay? I'm going to read this again. No. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. And I'm going to tell you what part in the Bible to look for that. It's Isaiah. Isaiah, chapter 65, verse 1. It says here, You shall leave your name as a curse upon my chosen, for the Lord God will slay you and call his servants by another name. I'll repeat it again. You shall leave your name as a curse upon my chosen, for the Lord God will slay you and call his servants by another name. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 15. Okay. <clears throat> and 
this is why um, I'm going to go on here. It says there are genealogy, genealogy and names. The gene, gene, genealogy is the social science study of knowledge which investigates lineage, progeny, and pedigrees. Names by design and by intent are distinctive and then are distinctive in that they express a connection to identifiable bloodlines. Thus are distinctive indicators of nations, of cultures, of character, and of geographical earth locations, etc. And so a chronology of civilization, contributions, evolution, and the, and the civil and social developments of a people can be traced by primogeniture through a national name or family name. This is a common method used to research and record linear history and chronology. An individual name, if clear and unblemished by civil disabilities, inquisition, pledged in accord, alterations for slavery, etc., will otherwise and logically image or image or mirror these Facimils. Think. Consider the logistical breakdown of what applies to and what qualifies as an actual free national name. What points of reference will one use to recognize a free and correct proper person name? A free national name is a universal standard of social order, organization, identification, recognized of recognized of families and of nations. And so a free national name is politically vital for one to have a proper, positive, and actionable standing at a law. Does it make does it make reasonable sense for anyone to bear a name which does not recognize from a moment the descendant down from their own forefathers? Good question. But, but most of us uh, that are nationalized know the answer to that. You know, but those that are not, the question is for you. Okay. Is there or would there be any honor, trust, or fidelity in one's character who displays such dishonor and contradiction? Can one be in honor of one's mother and father of one is not in one's own mother's and father's proper pedigree, bloodline, names? Likewise, a national name is given and preserved in a proper sense to be designative of a natural person, singular, or of a group of people, plural. Specific, specific names may imply all the people of a nation who bear it, or bear it, or be in relation to those having a certain name. Hence, a consignory family, a clan, a tribe, a nation, a claim of possession, or of fact, or right, rightful inheritance, etc. And law, if a person or a people sustain the posture and color of using and transacting business in the cognomen, surnames, family names, etc., of another people or nation 
one is classified as not being in one's own proper person. Thus, the social and legal condition exists being that of a prima facie posture or that of fraud. I'm going to repeat this again. I'm going to repeat this again. In law, in law, if a person or a people sustain the posture and color of using and transacting business in the cognomen, surnames, family names, etc., of another people or nation, one is classified as not being in one's own proper person. Thus, the social and legal conditions exist being that of a prima facie posture or that of fraud. Okay? You take, for instance, like, um, uh, this is not to downplay or put down on brothers and sisters that are members of the Masonic Order. It's not a put on them at all. I have much love for my brothers and sisters in the Masonic Order. I really do. But they cannot never become true Freemasons or whatever Eastern Stars. They can never become that because they uh, they have been initiated and did initiated rituals in another family's name and another nation's name, not and not a name or a nation of their own, not of their own nationhood. Therefore, they cannot truly ever become true Freemasons. You cannot initiate property. You cannot property cannot, you know, you call yourself initiating someone else. Property cannot initiate anything. Your property. You're still someone else property as long as you're still transacting business in another family and nation's name. I want to get that clearly uh, uh, out to the people that still. Uh, want to hold on to these names that do not uh, belong to them nationally or by bloodline heritage. I'm going to read some of the uh, uh, some out of the book called The African Origins of Freemasonry. Oh, by the way, uh, the book Tragedy and Hope I told you about earlier in the lecture, the author name is Carol Quigley. Carol Quigley, C A C A R R O L Q U I G L Y. Carol Quigley, or G G L E Y. I'm sorry. Carol Quigley. The author of the name Tragedy and Hope. The book I told you about England does not have a written constitution. That's the book you need to purchase. The book you should have and every more should have in her or his library. Okay, let me go on here. It's called the or- it's called the Origins of Freemasonry. A true history of Freemasonry in Africa and as a resurrection among Africans in the diaspora. Okay. A treatise by a grand of another uh, ancient Grand Lodge of Kemet by Zachary P. Gramillan, ninety degrees. Will be a ninety degree mason. Okay.
Okay. Okay. Let's see here. Read a little bit here. It says there one. Many white masons believe that Prince Hall Masons never received legitimate authority from the Grand Lodge of England. Therefore, they were clandestine masons. Well, I'm here to tell you they did. They did receive a charter from England. The only ones that didn't receive a charter from England was the so-called white Masonic lodges. They're the one that is in clandestine in a clandestine uh, manner, okay? But the Prince Hall Grand Lodge did receive a charter from England, from the Grand Lodge of England. I believe in September, I don't know uh, the exact date, uh, it was in September of 1787. They received their charter. And if you don't believe me, you can go to those people before to uh, those who live in the Boston, Massachusetts area. You can go there and you can find the... uh, what they call the African Lodge Number One, and you can find it's in the uh, vault because you can't take it out. It's so old. If you try to take it out, it'll crumble. It's so old. You cannot, you cannot pull the, you cannot take it out of the vault and read it. But it's there. The charter is there. There is proof. Okay. Now it says here in order to says here number two in order to petition for membership in any lodge of Freemasonry a man has to be born free. Okay, let me repeat this again. In order to petition for membership in any lodge of Freemasonry a man has to be born free. The individual must not be bondman or to have sold his right to freedom. Well. That's what happened to a lot of our people. Although a lot of our people wasn't slaves in the South or anywhere else. As I told you before in other lectures, uh, the first slaves here in America were Europeans or so-called white people. Believe it or not, believe it or not, those of you who haven't heard that lecture, I would refer to you to the book, We Were White and We Were Slaves. They Were White and They Were Slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II, uh, read uh, African uh, uh, White Slaves and African Masters. Uh, I forgot the author's name, uh, but that's the title, Africa, White Slaves and African Masters, or uh, you can get the book White Cargo. Like I said, I don't have the book uh, handy right now where I can tell you the author's names. Or you can go on YouTube, on the website, and get on YouTube. And it has a lot of information on so-called white slavery, you know, European slavery. But they were the very first that was brought over here from England and Ireland. Like I said before, and I said again, when they kidnapped a lot of uh, English and Irish families, about hundreds and thousands of families, families now, families, and shipped them over here. Therefore, when they came over here, they had to pay tribute payments to the Moors. Part of, like I say, that's part of the history that will never be taught in any of your school in schools around the Union States. But let's get back to Masonry, okay? It says, in order to petition for membership in any large or free Masonry, a man has to be born free. The individual must not be bondman or have sold his right to freedom. 
Caucasian Americans tried to deny the right of entry into Freemasonry to so-called African Americans because they perceived that most of us were born into slavery or have slave parentage. According to this interpretation, African Americans were disqualified from membership in the lodges of America. Well, let's think about it a minute now. <clears throat> These so-called African Americans, okay, as, as the brother referred to in his book. Okay, what about the European Americans or Euro Europeans, which are one and the same? Because that's why you never hear any European refer to themselves as European Americans. Because if they did, they would say that they are Europe, Europe, Europeans immigrated to America. They would already had admitted that they are not real Americans. Therefore, they cannot be sovereign in this land. If they want to be sovereign, they have to go back to Europe. I believe I mentioned that in other lectures on the blog talk show, the First World Order, okay? So, so therefore, if this is the reason, they don't have nothing to be in, uh, in the Masonic lodges neither. Maybe the, uh, the reason, one of the reasons why the Prince Hall Masonic Lodge got a charter from England and the Europeans didn't because most of them were slaves themselves think about it it says here American Freemasons were racist and did not want to enjoy the brotherhood of Freemasonry with descendants of Negro slaves huh. Albert Pike the most knowledgeable American Freemason was known to have refused to acknowledge so-called African Freemasons as brothers. His writings are very important to so-called Scottish Rite Masons. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. But you know, this is our science. <clears throat> this is the great Masonic secret, because they didn't want you to know the great Masonic secret. That was the real reason for not wanting them to uh, admit a lot of the brothers into the lodge at that time. Because at that time, they were teaching uh, real masonry at that time. Or, as I should say, real moral science, which is masonry. Okay. Hold on for a minute. Says here. Where did all this enlightenment come from? The answer to this question is diverse, but the basic answer to this question is simply Africa. First, through the Moorish sailors and travelers that went as far as Ireland. Okay, I'm going to repeat this again. Where did all this enlightenment come from? The question is. The answer to this question is diverse, 
But the basic answer to this question is simply Africa. First, through the Moorish sailors and travelers that went as far as Ireland, even though it is not taught in schools and only touched upon in most history books, it was not uncommon to see so-called black people known as Moors in those days. In countries like England and even in France, Moors are also responsible for setting up institutions learning in Europe. That's right. They also set up the hierarchy of some of the royal families of those countries, like the black nobility, as one. If anyone is in doubt about the strong influence that Moors had on these countries, I refer to the works of the of the uh, Scott Dave David McRistie in his work Ancient and Modern Britons, Volume One and Volume Two. That's right. The Ancient and Modern Britons, Volume One and Volume Two. I advise Moors, and that should that should be part of every every Moors library. Because it will tell you about actually the Moors being the original people of the British Isles and of the United, what they call the United Kingdom, of Ireland and England, Scotland, or we say Abion, which is the the, uh, the 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 original name of England before it became Angleland. And they said that it says here. It says here, see, it says here that, uh, let me see. It says, it, was not, it, says here, it was not uncommon to see Moors, known, black people known as Moors in those days in countries like England. And even France, it was not uncommon because we are the original people all over the planet Earth. Because it was the Asia at one time, and that's what we are called Asiatics, body of people. Or some people may say earthbound people. We are the original people on the planet. Okay, let me go on here. As a matter of fact, Alan Roberts. Uh, a famous Masonic historian stated that there were so-called black men in Freemasonry in the year 1356. This was hundreds of years before the Grand Lodge of England or Prince Hall in America. That's because Moors had set up lodges or schools, as uh, I may say, teaching more science in England. I'm going to say it again. This was hundreds of years before the Grand Lodge of England or Prince Hall in America. During this time, in 1366, Roberts informs us that the, that the regulation was formed in Gill. In Gill at England. It says there, <clears throat> this is what it says in the book, now it's not me. It says there, so black men always had their hands in the ancient order of Freemasonry, which is more science. Again, see the brother keep on saying it's Freemasonry, but it's more science. Let me move along here. 
The Knights Templar is also responsible for the establishment, the establishment of light in Europe. Well, did Richard, how many of, of, of you that is a member of the Masonic Lodge, I'm talking about my brothers now and sisters also, how many of you know that the original Knight Templars were Moors? Get on the YouTube and tune in on the four plus one, two, and three of the Moors in Europe. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. Okay. Because the original people of Europe were Moors. Okay. Let me move around here. <clears throat> Said most scholars agree that the European order of Knights Templar has esoteric knowledge and that they obtain from the Muslim mystics. Okay. Hebrew mystics and ancient scripts of scrolls obtained through excavation of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Al-Aqsa. Al-Aqsa. The Maghrib Al-Aqsa. This is the Morocco extreme to the west. Which was erected at the site of the ruins of King Solomon's Temple, which was rebuilt in the Herodian era. The ancient Egyptian mystery system upon which the Masonic order is based, was already present in Europe through the Greeks seeking light in the temples of Egypt and returning it, it to their own lands. This knowledge contributed to the proliferation of free and accepted masonry in Europe, both operative and speculative. The main secrets of masonry were lost in Europe because of the political climate of, of the times. Okay. A lot of you should get the book, um, Albert Churchwell's book, uh, uh, The Evolution of Freemasonry, and also his book, Science and Symbols of Primordial Man, also by Albert Churchward, spelled A-L-B-E-R-T, Churchward, C-H-U-R-C-H-W-A-R-D, Albert Churchward, Science and Symbols of Primordial Man. And they share a lot of light on us being the first of what you call the original Mason, which means, actually, this means mother's son. Mason. Because every man in the lodge, every man that's outside of the lodge is his mother's son. Speaking to all the brothers all over the world, we are our mother's sons. Yes, we are. That is a fact, Jack. And we all know that. That's all understood. So there's there's no nothing, to, uh, nothing more to say about that. Okay, I'm going to move on. Says here. A noble Freemason named Albert Churchward, 30th degree Mason, was brave enough to come forward and release the findings of his research that proved that 
The so-called black man was the original man and founder, father of the Honorable Society of Free and Accepted Masons. Even though I do not agree with all of Church Ward's teachings, I respect him for coming forward with the truth. The Grand Fraternity of Masons has a natural right to exist among so-called white men, but we are the creator of it. So when the so-called white men go through their initiation, they are going through an initiation that directly and symbolically allude to the supreme knowledge of the life and death and resurrection of ancient Africa. Africans brought light to the world, and they also civilized Europe. I am not trying to insult anyone, but I desire for you to think about about that at your, at, at your next lodge meeting, banquet, shriner, or Masonic function. Remember, the Templars who were Caucasians brought back knowledge gained from the Moors because the first Templars were Moors, naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. The book of Acts, two, chapter 2, tells us that the men of diverse African nations were present at the Pentecost. African and what it says here, Afro-Asiatic people were present. The Jews of our modern day are only converts to Judaism. They have taken on the mantle of the original African African Jews. Many people think that the Caucasian Jews are the original Jews. They descended from Abraham. We have to discuss the race of the Hebrew Israelites in which Jesus descended from. Now let us discuss the true history and his mission. In the first century AD, Israel was a very interesting place. Israel was a land that was inhabited by Canaanites. Moors and promised to the Israelites and conquered Moors, conquered by the Roman Empire. That's what's been going on. Hold on here for a minute. Even though many slaves were transported to that area, many of the blacks that were indigenous native people, they were here since the dynasties of ancient Hamites and Cushites and of Kibolan or Africa. Many black people in this hemisphere are as native of America and as of the American soil as Native Americans, tribes, Egyptian and Moorish. I can hardly read this. Wales uh, and this island before Europeans colonized it. I refer those interested to read. They came before Columbia, before Columbus, 
and African prisons in early uh, America revisited by Ivan Van Sertima. That's the author, Ivan Van Sertima is his name. These aboriginal people formed the Olmecs and Asasi and Washita empires. Many people of African descent and the diaspora have self-doubt about the historical involvement of African presence in early America. And a lot of them do to this very day. A lot of them are still delusional and stuck on being delusional, you know? Says here, Many people may have doubt about our slavery. After reading this chapter, however, it must be noted that the Africans brought to this continent for slave labor were not dummies, and they were not. A lot of them weren't brought to this country. They were already here. But you've got to realize this is a brother. Uh, his name is uh, Gramillion, Zachary P. Gramillion. So, you know, he's still uh, delusional about us, about us being carried on ships from Africa. So you got to kind of bear with, with it a little bit, okay? As it says here, let's see, I'm going to say this again. However, it must be noted that the Africans bound to this continent for slave labor were not dummies. They were not cursed. God did not punish them. They were not ignorant to the knowledge of themselves. They did not feel racially inferior, etc., etc. Africans were not only brought over from, from the East to the West to become dumb puppet slaves. We had something that Europeans needed. The same knowledge that we, that we gave Europe when they were in the hillsides of Europe. Without knowledge of civilization, the same knowledge that we are, the Moors, gave them to get out of the Dark Ages and into their Renaissance. They needed that knowledge to bring to the New World so they could survive and continue their mission to dominate the world. That is so true. But like I said, you know, we were, uh, you may have some shifts that did come from Africa as during the Amistad case, you know, but it wasn't that many. And plus, the, 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 like I said before, I said again, uh, the transatlantic slave, you know what they call the transatlantic slave trade nowadays. They usually don't, they don't uh, now they don't hardly call it the African slave trade no more. It's among, as commonly known today as the transatlantic slave trade. Because actually, it started from here, from the North American continent, across the Atlantic to Europe and Africa. And then, later on, that's when they started transferring a few slaves from Africa to over here. But there's not one artifact or not one ship that can substantiate that. Where are the slave ships? They can't find them? Why? Because it didn't happen.
how many of you read the book? Uh, some of you may find this book interesting. Like I say, it's called The Origin, The African Origins of Freemasonry by the, uh, Zachary P. Gramillion. Zachary P. Zachary. Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y P. Gramillion. G-R-E-M-I-L-L-I-O-N. G-R-E-M-I-L-L-I-O-N. Zachary. Okay, the first name Zachary. Middle name, middle initials P. Gramillion. The name of the book, African Orders of Freemasonry. Okay, now I'm going to delve into the Moorish Circle 7. Here, the rise of the Islamic faith among so-called blacks in America and its Masonic origins by Keith Moore, 32-degree Mason. He's a brother, you know. But you have to be uh, bear with bear with me. We're dealing with this brother too. Okay. okay here we go. An unknown author writes documented journeys to the Americas are key evidence that Africans were in America before Europeans. Read it again. Now, unknown author writes, documenting the journeys to the Americas, are key evidence that Africans were in America before Europeans. Two different African civilizations have been documented, making the journey in the Americas. The first documented voyage to the Americas was not planned. King Kusha, or King Kushta, founder of the 12th, 25th Dynasty, uh, Egyptian Dynasty sent out an expedition of ships in search of iron deposits of the coast of West Africa that accidentally arrived in Central America. This accident was attributed to the fact that Kushta's predecessor, the Egyptian pharaoh Neshko, knew that the earth was round and that the sun was the center of our solar system 2,200 years before Copernicus. We discovered that idea. Federal Nashko and used Egyptian scientists and mathematics, uh, mathematicians along with Phoenician sea power, Phoenician moors, sea power to organize great voyages into the Atlantic Ocean. A storm of an accidental ride into one of the Atlantic's current may would be that of the discovery of this new land to the Egyptians was a way to expand that already vast empire into another continent. This explains the similarity in the pyramids, the existence of the Egyptian and West African elements, and Olmec civilization presence, evidence of a Moorish presence in America. The technology needed to build pyramids and to, to, move, uh, to move heavy sunblocks will have been hundreds of years to evolve, yet there was no development stage to Olmec culture. Olmec civilization was like that of Egypt. Of Egypt, it rose from nowhere and was completely modeled. This shows that the knowledge of building up pyramids was brought over over the ocean from Africa. Okay, this is this is this is a book, uh, the Moore Circle Seven by Keith Moore. Okay, I may not share all his views or what he's saying, but you know.
Okay. Hold on just for a minute. On one uh, one page, it showed that uh, where they had the prophet, he was standing uh, in his posture. He had his fez on, and he had his Moorish garb. And they were saying that here you see Prophet Noble Drew Ali with a um, Shriner's fez and standing in a Masonic uh, uh, posture. You know that is that is uh, a um, I have to say that's a false construct because um, the face is a Moorish face and the posture is a Moorish stance and the garb is a Moorish garb. It's all more. You know, sometimes I use the term, I don't like you and Moorish too much because uh, you make the word, or the, the term more out of an adjective, Moorish, like being like a Moor. But sometimes I use it indiscriminately, so kind of bear with me here. But it shows you he haven't really, really accepted truly that he's a Moor, although he studied a lot about uh, the the uh, brother Keith Moore has studied a lot about Moor science, but he still don't see himself as a Moor, and that's obvious. No. Okay, it says here, throughout this chapter, I have names, several important individuals who gave the Asiatic religions their foundations, from the creation of the so-called Black Dravidians to the establishment of Islam. Asiatics have circled the globe to establish civilizations in distant lands. When one describes an Asiatic, you can surely acknowledge several different groups who either resemble or share a culture of, of origin. According to the Tutsi Jew Moorish American papers, the name Asia is derived from the Sanskrit Yusa, meaning down or to rise, signifying land of the dawn or rising sun. Asia's meaning is similar to the Arabic slang meaning to rise or sunrise, meaning eastward or toward the sun. The terms Saracen and Asiatic Asian implied that a person is Eastern. Perhaps this explains why most of the world's major religions were established in the East. Hmm. Okay. And those of you, yeah, those of you that are interested, I say, I say they're interested in getting this book. It's called The Moorish Circle Seven. The Rise of the Islamic Faith Among So-Called Black People in America and Its Masonic Origins by Keith Moore, 32-degree Mason. I'll say it again, okay? He has some interesting uh, things in his book that you might make found, you know, interesting. This should be also be a part of your library. See, I like the way he broke down 
certain symbols. Doing here, notice the face is shaped like a cylinder, and towards the end of the of the cylinder is a circle. The mathematics, the circle represents the 360 degrees, thus further alludes to 360 degrees of spiritual at, at the top and 360 degrees of physical knowledge at the bottom, equaling 720 degrees to perfect circles. That's why you see the 720 uh, uh, uh uh, the Moors it says uh, the Moors in America seven seven twenty on the YouTube. That's what they are talking about. Dealing with the three hundred sixty degrees at the top, dealing with the spiritual side, and dealing with the three hundred sixty degrees at the bottom of the material side. Because we both know, we all know that the Moors face is the uh, symbolic of the womb of woman. That's his meaning. The ball is the scepter. Before the ball is the umbilical cord. The strings of the face represents 360 degrees of knowledge. The reason why they don't have 360 degree strings on the face is because it will be much too heavy for us to wear. But that's what it symbolizes, symbolic. You see that at uh, the top of the fez looks like four quad four circles. Represents foundation. Okay. Says there in his book, The Clock of Destiny of the CMB writes. The red fez of the Moorish nation represents Atlas, the human head in the earth. The tassel of the fez represents the center of the universe, namely the human head and the force of gravity, which attracts all objects and draws, draws from the center of the earth and human beings. Bay also says the headdress is of our Moorish forefathers. The red fez with the symbol of the star and crescent or moon in this hemisphere. The Moorish fez represents supreme height of wisdom and practical knowledge of the science of the 12 signs of the zodiac, the universal law and constitution upon which the civilization is founded upon. Okay, they say I ain't got number 90 seconds. Okay. I hope I dropped enough on you, uh, sisters and brothers, for tonight. I always try to do my best, but I'm nothing like Dr. Arlene. He's the supreme teacher. You know, so uh, as I say to you tonight, we're getting ready to sound off. Uh, as I say, Mawasama Dakunda, meaning peace family. And how I tell Washita East. Thank you.